Um, but for me, one of the reasons that I switched from still life to Trompe was that whole thing about connecting with the viewer where they have this shift in perception, you know, that, that they think yeah. it's real and then they realize it's not. And it's just like this thing that happens in the brain. And that that's I love that. You know, I also love the humor, the whimsy, you know, that that just kind of suits me. I'm not a real serious person. <laughs> Today I'm talking to Natalie Featherston about her beautiful Trompe artworks. Hi, Hi, good morning. Good, good afternoon, Natalie. <laughs> <laughs> good morning where you are. Yeah. Yeah, Natalie, where are you based exactly? Where I is good morning for you? Yeah, I am in Providence, Rhode Island, which is about an hour south of Boston. Oh, okay. And uh, have you always lived there? No, <laughs> I, I actually grew up in the South and then moved to New York City and lived in New Jersey. And so I'm here now, but I'm not from here. Oh, I see. Okay. So and, you and you're in Vienna. I'm in Vienna. Yes. Oh, yeah. Wow. But also, but also originally from South Africa. So I also moved around a little bit. That's <laughs> wow. But um, Natalie, I saw your work on Instagram. And I was, you know what? I really had to look and look again, and and I couldn't believe what you were doing. And really, it's it's just unbelievable. Thank you. That's very kind of you. Thank you so much. Yeah. Now, um, where did this uh, uh, way of painting start for you? Oh, that is um, wow! That is a long story. I don't. How long are we going to talk for? Because I, I, I want to give you the short version. <laughs> <laughs> no, you We're can be all day. You can tell your story. I mean, uh, let me ask you first: Did you did you start painting as a child? No, I have a very okay. strange background story. Well, mm -hmm. I don't know if it's strange, but a little different. Um, yeah. I actually used to be a cellist. I had a whole nother career before I started painting. Okay. Um, I, yeah, I had started playing the cello when I was a little kid, you know, six, seven years old. I went to performing arts high school when I was 15 and never lived at home again with my family and toured all over the world and, and just had this career going. Um, I moved to New York when I was in my early 20s to finish a master's degree and sort of had this epiphany that I did not want to sit in an orchestra for the rest of my life. Because that was really all I had done, which is kind of a very weird way to grow up. <laughs> yeah, I understand that. And, yeah. and, you know, it's also art forms like ballet, because I have children in ballet and I know exactly what you're talking about. It's like it it just um, it's your life then. That's that's what it is. Yeah, it, it's your identity. It's mm -hmm. just it's that's what you do. I mean, it, it takes that kind of, I think, dedication yeah. to do do things like ballet or music, you know, or, or art, I guess. But um, yeah, I just kind of got to New York and realized I'd, I'd had a lot of success with it, which is why I had kept doing it, but was never really a conscious choice. And I was just sort of looking at the rest of my life playing out in front of me, sitting in an orchestra playing Mahler symphonies. And I, I already didn't want to do that. So I just, I quit quit school, dropped out of school, quit playing the cello. I went and got a job waiting tables and wasn't really sure what I was going to do next. And I just started taking classes at a local art school in New York City, just drawing classes at night for adults because I'd never gotten to take a drawing class. 
<laughs> and it looked fun. But first, I have to tell you this: this decision must have been huge, from because you so you know, and I think also uh, what what uh, we sometimes don't take in consideration it's that's all you knew. That's all you knew what to do. Yeah, I I look at it now. I kind of look back, and you know, I was in my early twenties, and you know, I mean, I'm fearless. You know, and I I wonder if I would still have the same guts to make a change mm-hmm. like that now because you know it was big not just for me but for my whole family of you know course. it's like my parent you know is like having children no, i know i know everybody's involved in this life <laughs> and and you support them i mean you know yeah. i can't think of how many like music camps and cello lessons and and all the things that my parents did Oof. to support that for me no, so they were very, it's hard yeah. they were very upset <laughs> yeah. they were concerned you know yeah. um yeah, so, I think it's this thing there where you you sort of you're in this thing and and supporting your child and then when the child suddenly already in her mind has sorted out that this is not where she's going the rest of the family is still on this path you know so I can absolutely yeah. understand that you know I, mean, I found out years later I came back to visit my parents it's probably Christmas or holidays and my mother had really not told any of her friends you know, yeah. that, that I had made this huge change. <laughs> you know, okay. I mean, yeah, everybody got on board eventually. It was fine. But it was, you know, it was a big deal. And, I, yeah. and you know, I just, it's like, I think just, and I still try to keep a little of that in my work today is like to still try to be kind of fearless, you know, to make the paintings I really yeah. want to make. Wonderful. You know, and, and not, not. I figure like I've screwed my life up bad enough. I should just go all in. You know, I should make those really silly paintings that people tell me like, I don't know if that's going to sell. Um, yeah. yeah, I just, I, I still try to, I still try to do that. <laughs> that's great. I love it. I love that. I think it's brave and and I, I absolutely love that. But tell me now, so you went for the, for the art lessons, but why? This this intrigues me now. So why would you suddenly yeah. have this urge to do that? I just found it so much more creative. You know, it's like okay. with, with yeah. cello, you know, you're, you're playing the notes on a page. Mm. And I'm not saying that it's not creative because people will hear that and get very upset. <laughs> but yeah. to me, it was not as creative as the visual medium, you know, where okay. I felt like I was really yeah. telling my story or really bringing something to it besides playing along in an orchestra. Mm. For me, that that visual medium just spoke so much more to creativity and expression and and storytelling, which is what I really love to do. It just felt so much pers- so much more personal. Yeah, but did you did you by that time could you draw? You know, or, or, no. or so you <laughs> I, draw I started or... at ground zero. <laughs> wow! <laughs> you know, because I meet people. I I teach a little now. I love to go and travel and do workshops. Yeah. And I meet a lot of people, you know, even people who are my age or older, and they're like, oh, well, I'm just starting out. This is going to be a hobby. And I'm like, oh, no. Like, if you want to learn to draw and paint representationally, you absolutely can. You just, you need good information and you mm-hmm. need deliberate practice. It's a learned skill like anything else. Um, the, the one thing that my, my, and I'll get to my teacher in a minute, the man that I ended up doing an apprenticeship with, apprenticeship with for many years, but he used to always say that he could teach anybody how to draw and paint, but he right. could never teach anybody what to paint. 
Oh, okay. That to me is that the harder thing. Sense. Yeah, yeah. Learning a technical mm. skill of manipulating paint or drawing or or any of that, you, mm. anybody can learn that with the right teacher. But you can do that. <laughs> That's amazing because we all think. Um, I also read recently about this. Um, we we all could draw as young children, but we lose that ability. Um, because of it must be pressure or, or we look at things then in a different way. We look at our paintings in a different way or our drawings in a different way. Or what, what would be the reason? I think fear, right? Oh, yeah. Like re yeah. Re rejection, yeah. fear, like all those things that drive us not to really embrace ourselves or express ourselves, self-consciousness. I think it's those things. I mean, you know, what I do is very high definition realism. You know, I, I want it to look just like the thing, but but I think that kind of goes for anybody. I think confidence yeah. in, in your ability and what you're communicating, that that can I think we lose that as we get older. You know, you our life is shaped by all the experiences we have. And like I think that's where children really they don't have that yet. You know, like yeah. they're not fearful of showing someone they're so, I mean, you know, you see a kid that's drawing, they are like so excited to show you their painting, you know, or their drawing. And I, yeah, I still try to kind of hang on to that. <laughs> but now, so tell me then, so you got to this evening class and started then just drawing and how, how quick did you, were you able to do that then? I ended up spending about 10 years in New York City studying with people before I really felt competent um a lot you know early on this was back, yeah 10 years I mean early on this was like in the early 90s and there were not that many focused academic atelier style training places you could go and study it was more you had to kind of find someone that had information oh, okay. mm -hmm. um, nowadays it's very different there are a, at least here in the United States I know a few in Italy as well where they're just wonderful ateliers where you just can go in and study academic drawing and painting and cast drawing and really get a great education. Um, but I just kind of moved around from art school to art school and found people I wanted to study with who I felt I could learn something from, you know, that, that I admired their work. They were, they were able to teach material. They had great ideas about how to train a painter. Um, so I did that for a long time. I did a lot of cast drawing and figure drawing. And then I got very lucky. Like I met this one man that completely changed that for me. And I would hear about him. Like I would hear about this man that lived on the Upper West Side of New York and he was very reclusive and he would only take two or three students at a time. And like, he's kind of like a unicorn. You would just hear about him, but like nobody really knew him. And eventually I ended up studying at a school and one of, one of his students was there. So I finally had an introduction to Michael Aviano um, and he changed everything for me. I mean, he taught me really everything I know about drawing and painting. I did a six-year apprenticeship with him. And it was very academic-based and very study-based, you know, step-by-step -step exercises, very academic. Oh, okay. mm -hmm. um, so that that changed everything for me, really. But now you paint, you have a specific paint, you, you paint realistically, would, I, would you call it that? And... And it's almost like the trompe l'oeil. This is the, yes. the art form. And you've just now changed it by uh, painting objects, real life objects. 
yeah, I, I started doing still life. Like if you see some of my very early still lifes that are like fruit and flowers, like it's, it, I mean, it's still very realistic. It's a little different, but gradually yeah. I kind of moved into Trump Loy. Um, and some things are three-dimensional. Some things appear to be flat things mm -hmm. hung on a wall. I kind of have different series that I do within that. Um, but for me, one of the reasons that I switched from still life to Trump Loy was that whole thing about connecting with the viewer where they have this shift in perception, you know, that, that they think yeah. it's real and then they realize it's not. And it's just like this thing that happens in the brain. And that that's, I love that. You know, I also love the humor, the whimsy, you know, that, that just kind of suits me. I'm not a real serious person. <laughs> I, okay. I like things that are light and joyful. Like I figured there's like plenty of darkness out mm. there. I don't need to contribute to that. Like I'm Absolutely. good. I'm with you um, on that. Yeah. But yeah, the box paintings have been super fun. I mean, I just, I love doing those. And like storytelling and narrative is also something I really try to strive for in my work. And, you know, even with those, even like a painting of pomegranates or, or things in a box where there isn't a lot of storytelling per se, I always have stamps down the side that sort of add that little I bit saw. of humor. Yeah, yeah. I love doing those. And, and, <laughs> and it makes it so real then. Really, it's I, I really have to look so when you and, and you wipe, you wipe like you wipe over the paintings, and then it's it you really have to look and see that it's not real. <laughs> that is that's a funny thing. Like that that seems like I've come up with this really fancy, like I'm just putting varnish on. That's that's all that oh, is. It's just okay. It's a matte varnish. Um yeah. and when I do those, I have like an old paint can, like a little yeah. quart-sized house paint can. And I prop the panel up on that so I can do the sides and the top at the same time. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just really, it's really simple and really silly. But the first time I made a video of that, people were like, because it looks yeah. like it's floating in my hand. Like, all, exactly. it looks like all yeah. this stuff is happening. And I'm like, guys, it's just propped up on a paint can. Like, this is not me trying to do anything weird or sneaky. Yeah. Like, just how I varnish stuff. So that's been interesting. Like I've gotten a very interesting response to that on Instagram. I can imagine if you see a painting like that, that that idea, that it is almost as if you have to, you, it's like you say, you have to think a bit, you know, your your mind has to readjust itself a little bit to to view what you are viewing. And then you then you carry on and see then all these details. And then you can see why you're thinking that way. They've been fun. And the um, yeah. I have a couple of new ones. I have a, a couple of shows coming up this fall, but I've started doing stuff where I've got three-dimensional stuff and the painting. Like I've been doing ribbon. So I'm painting ribbon in the fronts and then oh, stringing ribbon through the sides and then hanging it with a real piece of ribbon. So it looks like the ribbon is coming through the box. Okay. okay. They're interesting. They're, they're very cool. I'm very excited about these. So I'm, I'm kind of branching Amazing. out with that a little and trying to incorporate mm -hmm. real trying to bend that wall just a little more where there are real things and some of it's painted and some of it's real. So I'm, I'm going to keep moving on that because that's, I like Yeah, <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, but now, so you also, and this is what I ask uh, many artists is, can you, you, you said that, okay, it started as still lives and then it evolves. And now you're talking about this and carrying on. So you see this, uh, see how you evolve with this style. Do you, do you discover new things that you can do then with it? Yeah, I always try to. I mean, like, I I don't okay. think I would 
I don't think it would be very satisfying for me to just kind of yeah. keep doing the same. Like a couple of years ago, I started doing trompe collage paintings where I build these little collages and then I do paintings on them. So it looks like a, like a real collage stuck on a board. Um, those have been super fun and very narrative. Like that was kind of a new thing that I came up with a few years ago. You know, and the box paintings are new. I mean, they that happened. <laughs> it's a horrible story, but I had to move my studio maybe I think I moved seven or eight years ago to Rhode Island and I had all this stuff, all these still life props. I mean, just, oh my God, it was, it was horrible. Like moving the house is one thing, but moving an art studio was awful. Oh, and I, I had imagine. a huge yeah. studio and I had, you know, packed everything in little boxes so it would be organized and did it. And I got in the new studio and I literally was unpacking it. And I had all these little boxes with packing paper everywhere. And I was like, oh, like that would be fun to paint, you know, and that really? is, that is exactly how that came about. I'm like, oh, I'm I'm going to find that. And then I found these panels that are deep on the sides, like these little yeah. flat. And I just started painting the sides to go with it. I mean, it was that silly. I promise. <laughs> it's amazing. not like highbrow. Yeah. <laughs> because, I, yeah, I wondered what was the idea of these boxes, you know, where this came from. So it's literally a move. You have yeah. to move. You have to move the art studio to to be able to come up with that. <laughs> you know, I get very inspired by like things I find. Like I have a whole inspiration board in my studio. And I, I know some people keep files and notebooks and stuff, but I just like to have little post-its or notes and I just like to stick it on the wall. I just, for me, I need to kind of see it every yeah. day, think about it. Um, but just to let ideas germinate. And I mean, I can find like the weirdest stuff and stick it on that board. Like I have a little man that I made out of sticks a couple of years ago. And I'm like, I'm going to put him in a painting one day, you know, we're like little pieces of poetry or lyrics or a seashell or just like little things that I find evocative that I think I can build a story around. Um, and that's exactly how those boxes were. It was just kind of seeing it and just kind of having your brain go, Oh, like that, that looks good to me. So I just, I try to stay open to that because you never know when you're going to come across something that's, that's going to be inspiring to paint. Yeah. But now you studied all these years and, and also with these different people, but still you have this uh, amazing um, freedom to, and, and uh, courage and, and bravery to do all these different things that you're not scared to do. So you don't not, or do you have this thing like, Hey, well, do you think people will buy it or or would people be interested in it you know it's it's funny because like sometimes I have some really really crazy ideas you know I, I did a, a painting last summer that was a, a woman it was a collage painting but it's this tightrope walker on a tightrope balancing this bar and she has a human heart and a human brain and over it are these waves and this is all made out of cut paper and found objects are waves and there's sharks in the water and of course, I have one that's like breaching the water and I've made a little laser beam strapped to his head with a belt with a laser. And it's hilarious. I mean, to me, I thought that was one of the funniest things I'd ever made. Oh, okay, like, yeah. That's hilarious. It's like, and you know, you make these things, and you're like, no one's going to want that. Like, I'm going to get to keep that one. And it turns out those are the ones people really do like. Oh, really? <laughs> so, I get it. <laughs> I, I, try to, I try to make a balance. You know, I try to paint like a bird's yeah. nest and things that people will like. And then I also just like with the box paintings, like pomegranates and bird's nests and th this classic still life things in the box always connect. People love those, which and oh, okay. I'm very grateful for. But I also did one of a human heart wrapped in bubble wrap. 
you know, it's like, I, I, oh, okay. I still make yeah. the ones yeah. that really speak to me. Um, mm-hmm. And that's probably a smaller audience for that, but the people who like it really like it because it's, mm. it's not an apple. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I kind of just balance things. Mm. But do you, uh, do you uh, tell why you paint? Do you talk about why you paint certain things? You know, like the heart in the bubble wrap, for example, do you usually tell people why you did that? What what was the inspiration you know, bound? Do you let people dis- discover it for themselves? Sometimes, I mean, I tend not to speak a whole, I mean, like, you know, usually by the time like something is in a gallery, it just has, you know, it's not. It's there. Yeah. I don't have a lot of, op- I don't have like a big thing underneath it. Sometimes I do with some of my paintings to explain mm-hmm. like what they're yeah. about. Um, it kind of depends on the piece. Most of the time, I just kind of want to stand back and let the viewer bring that because I find that sometimes when I do explain what I was thinking, it's very different than what they thought, you know, oh, which yeah. is interesting yeah. to me. And, and you know, I always love to hear that. But I don't really ever want to, like, push my agenda on them. It's just let them enjoy it. Let them bring what they want to it. That's that's I love that. I mean, that's very fulfilling for me. I mean, if somebody asks me, I would tell it's not like it's a secret. Yeah. Like, I would always yeah. be happy to discuss that. Yeah. But I don't tend to, like write a lot about it or put signs up or try to tell people what it is. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. I went to an um, art gallery the uh, or art exhibition a while ago and and I saw a painting and I asked the, the artist what exactly what is the meaning because when I looked at it for a long time and I had a sort of an idea of what I thought it was about. And when he started telling me, it was a bit different than that what I thought. But he was also then interested in what I was thinking about it, you know. So this discussion was was interesting. But but yeah, it was for me also this uh, the fact that I think I you you have to have this chance of seeing what you see in the painting, you know, for you to to be drawn to it in a way. I would never want to like stifle that. And and oh. I just, I, I love people interacting with the piece and telling me what they think it is. Oh. And sometimes they come up with stuff where I'm like, wow, like really? that's deep. That is so much deeper than yeah. that. <laughs> it's like, oh, I just kind of wanted to paint that thing, you know, and they're bringing this whole story to it. So I really enjoy yeah, that. That must be amazing to have that because of all we, we, we look at things from our, perspective from our and from our reference also you know so that must be very interesting it's you bringing your experience exactly you know, it's like but I know I keep talking about my teacher Michael Aviano but another one of his favorite quotes that like I, I just I think about all the time is that he, his definition was that art is nature filtered through personality oh yeah and I think that's true of the artist yeah. and the viewer you know it's mm-hmm. like it's our experience that that colors it and makes it meaningful so, oh, I totally agree. But now you you've studied a very long time when you and you said ten years, and then um, then you started uh, painting, and or you you found your thing, what what you wanted to paint. But do you still go back, or do you still uh, get some sort of education of? Do you teach, this is now your experience and you're learning through your experience? I love to teach. 
Um, mm. I don't have, I, I do maybe a couple of workshops a year. I don't, I would love to teach more. Um, I have a really crazy show schedule, so I, I don't get to get out of the studio and do that as mm. much as I would like. Um, you know, I actually just finished a workshop in Boston last week and it's amazing to teach because, you know, it's very intense and you're in a room with like a dozen other artists and, you know, you're trying to communicate goals and skills and everything that, you know, you know, but it just reinforces what the way you think about art, but then you also get to share with them and get their experiences kind of where oh, yeah. they're coming from and how they're seeing things. Um, I just, I love that. I just mm-hmm. being able to spend the week with a bunch of artists talking about nothing but art is just very fulfilling. It's really? super exciting. Oh, I yeah, love I, it. Yeah. I, I saw on your Instagram also how you, you explained the colors uh, because it, for the, for this realistic way of painting, you need that specific uh, way of, of mixing your colors. I think, you know, with representational painting, being mm-hmm. able to match the hue value and chroma of mm-hmm. what you're observing is important. Okay. You know, I, I was trained using Munsell color theory, which is not for everyone. It's just my training and background. Mm-hmm. There are lots of different ways to do this, but I find it helpful. And it's something that I do like to share with other people if they're curious about it, mm-hmm. because it's, Basically, Munsell is, it's just, it's a very reliable way to make the same color every time. Um, Munsell was an artist, but his whole color theory thing has been adopted by a lot of the scientific community. And they use it today to manage soil samples. Like all soil samples are graded by the Munsell, which I think is hilarious. Mm -hmm. And also Mm -hmm. things like cookies. Like if you buy a bag of like, I don't know if you have Chips Ahoy in Vienna, but like commercially available cookies. Mm-hmm. To keep them all uniform, they use Munsell for the hue value chromosome. So all the cookies are identical. <laughs> Amazing. Weird, I, right? Yeah. So it has a practical application, but he kind of came up with this around 1900, 1907, just to give a, a language to color so that everything could be mer- measured by a name or a numerical value so that we would all be on the same page. You know, instead mm-hmm. instead of the Tower of Babel, where everybody's bringing all these different things to describing color, it's more of like a universal language. But this shows again how closely related art and science is. And this is what I always want to prove through all these interviews is that we we have to see art alongside maths and science. It's oh, as important. Yeah. And like the role that things like neurobiology play in art, you know, it's like, what are we really seeing? How are our brains really reacting to things? Yeah. Um, You know, it's very interesting to me. I'll just, as an aside, just, I'm not, I'm not a science person. I'm not. No, no, (laughs) no. Me neither. (laughs) (laughs) But I have a friend, Anthony Wachulis, who is an amazing painter. I mean, just a world-class tropoloid painter. But we've talked a lot about composition. And mm-hmm. there are a lot of things with composition where people are like, oh, there's the golden mean and there's the golden oh, yeah. ratio and there's mm-hmm. these are how you should compose your paintings. Well, he kind of thinks this is all garbage because he's like, that's not how it really? works. It's like mm-hmm. if you go, there was a guy, um, Yarbus, who I believe was a Russian scientist back in the 20s, who was doing all these experiments with eye tracking. Mm-hmm. And so he actually started doing these experiments where he would put these goggles on people and show them art. And where does the eye really go? 
it doesn't go with any of this golden mean stuff. I mean, that's, that is not how people look at, look at paintings at all. Mm. It's, you know, it's maybe areas of highest contrast, but they're looking at faces and hands. And mm. if you tell people the title beforehand, it will influence how they look at the painting and how long their gaze lingers. And you can see this with these, like this very scientific eye tracking heat signature. eye. it's insane. I mean, it's just, to me, it's really interesting because we're told one thing in art school, like, Oh, it's the golden mean. This is yeah. how you should design a painting. It turns out like the title actually has a lot more to do with how people actually look at it. So it's, it's more fact-based. <laughs> yeah. well, uh, that's, that's really interesting uh, because I read, um, I always think I can read photographs. I love photographs and I I tend to look at many things in a photograph. And this is why I also uh, don't always like it when when the background gets blurred out because it's it's almost as if it flattens the picture for me. And that and this way, and I think this is maybe the reason why it's because my eyes can't move in the picture. You know, when they blur the background out and there's no depth then and this is exactly it makes total sense what you're talking now because you feel your eyes want to move around in the picture and see different things to make the whatever the the main focus of the picture is to make sense of it and then um yeah oh it's wonderful it was it was shocking to me the first time he he had me send him I don't know, maybe two or three of my paintings. Mm. And he's like, he's like, take in Photoshop, make an arrow how you think people are going to see this, Mm. like where they're going to look first and where they're going to go next and how you think the eye is going to move through this painting. I'm like, sure, no problem. So I did all this and sent it to him. And he had four of his students, two women and two men, because women and men actually do this very differently, wear these goggles and look at the paintings. Mm. And it was not anything like what I thought was going to happen. He mm-hmm. sent me like a little video back where you could see, and it was like heat heat sensitive, so you could see these little areas blow yeah. up as they looked. It was it was crazy, crazy. I mean, but, but like you say, with science, like this is real and scientifically yes. based. It's yes. not just people being like, "Oh, you know, it's the golden mean. Do that. That's how you do yeah. it." Yeah, but that's interesting with the with the photos. Yeah, and and how wonderful to think that we we do look at things a different way, so that you know, so you cannot judge and say, well, this is how you should look. You you look in in your way, what what uh, how your brain allows the eyes to go. Amazing, and it's funny oh. too because like I've all I've never really used constructs to for composition. I've oh. always just sort of done what I thought felt good. I'm like, well, mm-hmm. you know, if I move this over here, I kind of like that. And honestly, like all that science just sort of backed up that like using intuition in composition and what feels right to you is good. Like I don't need to worry about all these artificial things to make a painting. You know, it's like Natalie, I I think you're amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. This is Anthony with Jules. I just like followed along. This is not not my research at all. Um, no, I think, I think you're amazing to just do your own thing. This is what I love. <laughs> I, I absolutely because this is what you know. This is needed so that you you are doing your thing and and 
Yeah, this is amazing. It's fun. It's really yeah. fun. I'm very, I'm very lucky that this is my job. I am. Yeah. So now, and and you don't play cello anymore. Nothing. No. Nothing. Yeah. No. Okay. I, I went like cold turkey. Like oh, okay. I was really. I know. I know. It, it seems weird, but like I was really at the top of my game. Mm. And, you know, you don't practice for a week. It's okay. You don't practice for two weeks. You're all yeah. right. You don't practice for a month. You start losing that muscle memory real fast. Yeah. So yeah. I just kind of knew, like, I don't think I would ever have been happy just playing like Mozart quartets on the weekend with friends mm. because I think it just would have been so sad mm. <laughs> to yeah. like to lose so much of that skill, just that tactile. Yeah. So yeah, I was done. I was done at that point. I was ready to move on. So you found your flow, that they say you found your flow. Eventually. I mm. mean, you know, it's it's yeah. it's I've been painting professionally, you know, for 25 years now almost. Mm. I mean, I've been out of school that long. So yeah, I mean it's 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 been good. You know, I mm -hmm. I got lucky that I didn't really struggle a lot. I mean, I kind of knew what I wanted to do. Yeah. So and now yeah, and now always, um, it's it's the one thing to do that, and then of course I'm, I I can imagine you can paint the whole day and do your thing, but now there's the business side in art as well. So how yeah. good are you with the business side of things? I'm okay. I'm okay. Oh, okay. You know, I I'm always wow. trying to like get better and learn things. You know, mm -hmm. and like I mean, one thing that I will say, people ask me a lot. They're like, well, what what's like your one big piece of advice for artists? Mm. And it's always to have art friends, to like have personal connections and have a group of people that mm. can support you, you know, professionally, mm. people that you can bounce ideas off of, people that you can go to for help. Mm. Um, big thing. And that's something that's really helped me with the business stuff. You know, it's like mm. when I got out of school, like I said, my teacher was very reclusive. He didn't like have a bunch of gallery contacts or a bunch of collectors or like anything like that, that I could, I mean, I had to kind of create that on my own, mm -hmm. um, you know, and just having friends, like they showed at this gallery, they would offer advice, you know, it's just kind of being able to build that kind of network and, and group of friends was really important, you know, and, and I'm okay at the business. I mean, basically the business stuff just turns out to like, do what you say you're going to do on time. Oh, that, okay. that's the end. Yeah. <laughs> like, mm. if, if you can do those two things you'd be fine <laughs> yeah but it makes sense that you say you have to to be in a network like that because it's people that can support and that gives advice and and that's what you need in the in the especially art industry starting out. Yeah. yeah i mean especially yeah. as a young artist because i feel like you know it's hard enough to put a body of work together and feel like you're finding your voice exactly. and you're creating mm. you know that's hard and then mm. on top of it, it's like, oh, well, now you've got to know Photoshop and you need to know how to edit your images and you need to know like all this other stuff and you need to be able to negotiate a gallery contract and you need to know if you're going to be, if, if these people are going to take advantage of you. You mm. know, it's like, it, you're just kind of thrown to the wolves. So, you know, I always, I mentor lots of artists If people send me a message on Instagram and they're like, hey, I got a question. I always answer. Like, yeah. I have time for that. Oh, I absolutely. I will make time to answer that because like, I remember myself, you know, yeah. when I was young trying to navigate this stuff and, and with social media, it's amazing. You know, it's like, we didn't have this back in the 90s. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there was no internet. So it's like nowadays you can just reach out to 
practically anyone. I mean, like we're connecting right now. Exactly. You're in Vienna. Exactly. I'm in Rhode Island. I mean, how cool is yeah. that? That would not have happened. <laughs> no. And this is what I love about social media. And, and uh, you know, some people have a lot of negative things to say about social media, but I choose what I look at and I discovered you and, you know, you came on my feed and, you know, all these wonderful people that I also speak to, it's the, I found, I find them all on Instagram or Facebook, you know, or mm -hmm. LinkedIn, all the social media sites. So yeah, this is amazing. It's, it's such a great tool and such a great way of also inspiring, you know, I think inspiring people is it's, it's amazing way because also not everybody would be able to come to you and see your paintings but now you can see it even though it's a little screen but it's instagram but it it gives you an idea oh it's amazing like mm -hmm. i mean like you said people there's a lot of negative comments about social media but like my instagram feed i get to see art from all over the planet exactly you know, and meet yeah. artists and like connect mm -hmm. and like i couldn't have done that i mean just mm -hmm. on my own like yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's amazing, really, when mm. you think of like this little thing we carry around in our pockets, like just what we can learn and the access and see yeah. is amazing. So and when you sit on the train, you can quickly go visit an art gallery, basically, yeah, you know, on the other yeah. side of the planet. I mean, that's yeah, the yeah, cool yeah. So, yeah, I, I, but I will always, you know, it's it, it's made everything so broad and so wonderful just to be able to connect. But I, I love to chat with people like anybody that sends me a dm or a comment and like they have a question i always try to answer it especially with business stuff you know it's like yeah. being able to recommend a gallery to someone or i had a, a a person that i know a few years ago who was having trouble with the gallery and i was like well send me your contract and we went over it they were trying to make her pay the fees on their credit cards for their sales and i'm like that's not okay that's mm -hmm. not standard they should not be doing that they they this is not cool this is not gallery industry standard stuff. Mm -hmm. They're taking advantage of you. Mm -hmm. So, you know, just even things like Amazing. that. Yeah. yeah. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's good. We're all connected now. We have to exactly. use that. <laughs> exactly. No, I totally agree with you. But now, Natalie, tell me what are still the wishes for you for the future? You've done so much already. Oh, and gosh. so, yeah. yeah. Just, I want to just keep painting and keep growing and keep getting better and, you know, making paintings that I love and that delight me. And, you know, I have a, a big show that I want to do. I don't know if I'm going to do it next year or the year after. I'm not really sure. Um, that's just very like female centered. I'm going to call it pure heroin, but H E R O I N E. Okay. Oh, which is, okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's actually yeah. the yeah. title of an album by Lord, but I just, I love it. So I'm going to steal it. Okay. Um, just like very female centric, you know, a lot of like myth and legend and strong women doing amazing stuff and just kind of create a whole body of work around that. So I have a bunch of ideas on that. I'm, look, I'm looking amazing. forward to that. <laughs> and will it also be in a, in a trompe l'oeil style? Yeah. I, I oh, think I I'm, I'm going to do one still life for that one oh, okay. that, um, that I have. I, it's funny because painting those pomegranates lately I just kind of started doing a lot of reading about pomegranates and symbolism, what they mean. And, you know, that kind of sent me down like the whole thing with Persephone and Hades and like queen of the night and the underworld and all that kind of stuff. I just, mm. this rabbit hole that I realized I really want to paint a Vanitas, like with a big skull and pomegranates and flowers and do a whole thing about Persephone, but make it a very narrative still life. So 
I am going to make a still life. <laughs> uh, <I can. laughs> I'm going to read about pomegranates now. I tend to also go down rabbit holes always. So I'm going to read about it now. Yeah, interesting. They're, oh, my God, they're so beautiful. I mean, they're just so beautiful to paint and just, yeah. I, mm. I always joke around on Instagram. I call them the Beyonce of fruit because they're oh, just, okay. <laughs> they're amazing. <laughs> oh, wow. Natalie, this was so great talking to you. Your work's oh. so beautiful, so wonderful. And um, I, oh. y- do you ever come to Vienna? I was in Budapest right before oh, okay. the pandemic. I got, I got close. <laughs> yeah, you got close. You have to come. Come and do oh, an exhibition yeah. here in Vienna. Oh, I would love to. It's such yeah. an amazing city. Yeah. I, mean, I just, I would love I would, to. I would so love to see your work so in real, in real life. But... You never. Let's put it on the wish list. <laughs> you never know. You never know. I mean, I would love to do something like that. Yeah. yeah. But Natalie, have a lovely afternoon. You too. Thank you so much. This has been fun. And I'll look yeah. for you on Instagram. We'll like yes, cross post. Definitely. And let me know whenever you come to Vienna. I will. That that's we'll not, a, that is not out of the question. So yeah. we'll, we'll definitely grab a coffee. I'd love that. That'd be amazing. Okay. (laughs) Thank you so much. Okay, Natalie. See you soon. Bye. Bye.